Well, we're going to continue our journey in being prepared for the Lord's return. Um, I don't know how many of y'all watch the current events that are taking place in our country. How many of you listen to just one news report or one news agency? Or whether you broaden your horizons and listen to several so that you can get a broader picture of possible truth because it's hard to follow any media source. I don't care from which direction it comes from and know whether or not you have absolute truth. And of course, we know where absolute truth is at, right? <clears throat> but as I uh, do follow certain things, um, it, it just, uh, we are closer and closer to the return of the Lord. And uh, um, again, I'm not, a, har- I'm not a, um, a, a herald of doom and gloom. Uh, I want to be a clarion voice of hope is what I want to be, but I want us to be prepared for the things that's coming, uh, coming down the pike. Um, even behind the scenes, we are planning as a church staff here, um, I just met with my staff uh, yesterday and I said we need to pull all the COVID protocols out and be refreshed, be ready. So when the next closing takes place, when the next executive order takes place, when the next outbreak takes place, whatever that may be, that we're ready, okay? Um, and of course, uh, I'm kind of taking a stance that nothing's going to close us except, except an outbreak of sickness within, and then that's the smart thing to do for the protection of everybody, right? Um, so um, I guess what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm trying to say is um, let's not put our heads in the sand and think that all of that's behind us, because if you watch the news clear, carefully enough, you can see that it's escalating, it's escalating. There are cities within our nation right now that are already in lockdown. There are cities and restaurant chains across our country right now that says that you, that you cannot enter without having the COVID vaccination and proof of it. I mean, it's escalating all behind the scenes a little bit at a time. And I think there's a good possibility that when we get into, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, October, November, flu season time, it's going to come back and visit us again. And so I want us to be prepared, not just for how we're going to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, even in dreadful times, amen, but I want us to be prepared for the coming of the Lord, and uh, his return is coming. Dr. Barkley was with us last week, and even he spoke to us about end times and the coming of the Lord. <clears throat> Let me just say in regards to that, you all may, noted, may have noted, Dr. Barkley and I have some differences of opinion about uh, rapture and those kinds of things. That is okay. Diane asked me on the way home, how are you going to handle that? I said, I've already told our congregation many times that we have a difference of opinion. Even Pastor Barclay's spiritual dad who's gone on to heaven, Dr. George Evans, had a different opinion of end times than Doc. That's okay. It does not divide us. They are not heaven and hell issues, right? When we have a problem with doctrine is when they are heaven and hell issues. And so uh, don't be alarmed that as you heard Pastor Barkley talk about certain things that you go, wait a minute, Pastor Rick's been teaching us a little bit differently about that. Don't let that unsettle you in any way, shape, or manner. We're all going to, I've shared even from the beginning of my conversation about end times and the rapture that we are all going to have differences of viewpoints about that, and that's okay, right? Because what it comes down to, as my good friend Tim Haggart said, that he believes in the pan theory. You know, it's all going to pan out in the end anyway, so just hang on, right? 
So we have to be very careful about getting on our soapbox and saying that we have cornered the market on end times um, prophecy. Anybody who stands on a soapbox and says they have all that figured out, I wouldn't listen to them. Okay? Because there's more to be learned in the process. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So in this, it's not just about teaching you, talking with you about end times. That's important. We are in the end times. I love what Pastor Barkley said, that whether we like it or not, we are the last day's church. You are the last day's church. Now, there's a part of me that wishes and hopes, Lord, Terry at least passed my lifetime. Anybody else kind of have that, that view time, that viewpoint? But then you go, but my grandkids, and then you can go on down the list, right? Uh, either way, it isn't about saying, Terry, until I go on to heaven, Lord, so everybody else has to deal with it. We all have to be prepared for it as though it can happen at any time, right? Because I, I believe this with all my heart, y'all. And, and you all know I'm not, a, I'm not a doomsdayer, I'm not a prepper, uh, I, I'm not in the ditch on this. I believe that we're in a place right now with literally one push of a button, one flip of a switch, we could be in an economic place where the whole mark of the beast can take place. I mean, come on, y'all. If you don't see that happening step by step already, you got your heads in the sand. You know, with the mark of the beast, the whole idea behind that is you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't get medical care, you can't do nothing without that mark. The, the mark or implant or whatever it is, that's already happening. They're already saying you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't go without the little barcode that says you've had a vaccine. We are so prepped. Our economy is in such a mess. China right now has put together, these aren't even things on my notes, I just figure I'm going here, I guess. China has already put together uh, the system whereby they can get rid of a cashless currency throughout the nation of China and go completely digital currency so that it's no longer even a cashless society. It won't work. Cash won't work. And when China makes that move, it's going to have an effect economically across the globe. And it's just a step. It's just a step. You know, I've been telling uh, Diane, her and I have been <clears throat> working through some things as it relates to our finances. Uh, I just, I've been telling her, listen, I don't want all of our money in the bank. Now, I'm not sure for you all to do this. Don't you have to take the paths that bring you peace. I said, because we're going to wake up some, we're going to wake up one morning and the banks are going to crash. The economic system is going to crash and you won't be able to get your money. And if you had money, it's only going to be good for a while because eventually the currency you have won't be any good. I thought you weren't a doomsdayer, Pastor. What you doing here telling us all this negative news? I'm preparing you for the Lord's return. And so I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I'm going to start storing water. I probably don't have to. I live on a lake now, so that's probably, I could just boil it. But point being, and, and it's not because of the last days. If the electricity, I have water, a pump, a well and a pump. If the electricity goes out, I don't have water, right? I want to be prepared for any of those days that come down, come down the pipe. I don't carry a weapon. Uh, others do. I understand that, and that's okay. So I'm not going to shoot somebody because I'm trying to save my food. <clears throat> uh, so I'm not an extremist. But 
I am a realist. And in any realist, there's an element of pessimism and an element of optimism. It's, it's, it's all in there, in that reality, okay? And I believe in the reality of the Word of God. And some of it isn't good news. This is going to happen, you know? The idea that I would get beheaded for my proclamation of Jesus Christ is not a party notion. That's, that's, a, that's a terrible idea, right? But the fact that I can, God will protect me sovereignly through all that stuff, now that's a party notion right there. That's a cool deal. So in opining all of this, all of preparing for the Lord's return isn't, isn't talking about the day that we live, as I'm now talking about. I'm just preparing you to not put your heads in the sand, not go to sleep, not put your guard down. We have to be ready for whatever comes. Just like I said, I got my staff. Uh, let's not have all of our COVID protocols off in a, dust, a dusty bin somewhere that when something happens, we got to go search for where all that stuff's at. Let's be ready at a moment's notice to uh, react to whatever we need to react to. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. Uh, so my notion here is to not close the doors. Amen. Thank you about your, for your enthusiasm about that. Uh, I intend, and this is not brash bravado, it's my intention. I hope I can walk this out because it's not easy to walk out. When, uh, you know, Aunt, um, uh, what's her name? Whitmer, when Aunt Whitmer says, you know, Uncle Sam, Aunt Whitmer, when she says close all the doors, I'm not going to. And I hope I have the courage to do that. What will I do? Well, I might go back to you know, moving the aisles apart, having hand washers at the door, providing whatever protocols people may want to make them feel more comfortable in the house of God. But I'm, I'm, I'm prayerfully not going to let anything close us down. No government order. That's brash bravado, I know, and it's scary to even say. But David, my heart is that no government order. Government's not going to tell us we can't meet and worship God. They don't have the constitutional right to do so, number one. Now, if a group of people get sick in this church, absolutely, that's different. Right on? So y'all pray for me, too, as I try to guide the church through the oncoming onslaught. It's going to happen, okay? <clears throat> I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, but I intend to be prepared for it, and I intend to do my best to prepare you for the Lord's return. That being said tonight... And everything that I've already had to say about end times, I'm not talking about end times tonight. I don't know how I got off on that track. The actual title of tonight is Preparing for the Lord's Return, Examination. How many of you like take exams? Anybody like exams? Don't you love exams? Aren't they like the coolest thing in the world? No? No? What if it was all true and false? If you like true and false, would you like true and false better in your exams? Because you could always have a chance of being 50% right, right? Or multiple choice. Multiple choice is always a good exam to have because you can always figure that your first impulse is actually the correct answer, right? Or, or fill in the blank. Now, they're a little bit harder. Or essay exams. Now, we all love essay exams, don't we? Hmm? No. Well, I'm not talking about taking a test or having to write an essay or taking that kind of an examination, but about us as individuals examining ourselves. To, I am 
constantly under my own scrutiny. And especially more so now at this stage of my life than at any other time in my life. I'm scrutinizing myself. Why? Because I need to stay fresh. I need to stay vibrant. I need to stay strong. I need to stay committed. I need to stay ready. I need to stay fired up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Y'all are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I at one time kind of had a plan to retire when I was 70. Well, I, I turned 70 in five years. I'm not retiring when I turn 70. Don't, I don't know what God's plan about that is. But when you turn 65, how many of you are at least 65 years old? So you know what I'm talking about here. When you turn 65, you can kind of see the end. You don't focus on the end. But, you know, 10 years from now, I'll be 75. 15 years from now, 80. Once a person goes into their 80s, typically there is a little bit of decline physically and mentally and everything else, right? So you can begin to see the end. So... <clears throat> I'm not afraid of the end. I have chosen that I'm going to pastor this church as long as I can provide uh, good cognitive awareness to the things that I do, you know? Now, don't keep me as your pastor if I get up here in Depends <laughs> and, slobber, and slobber going down my cheek, okay? Get a different pastor then. <laughs> you're like, how would we know you're wearing Depends? Okay, I didn't even think of that. So I'm, I'm constantly, uh, and, and now I live on the lake, and I'm discovering that there's a different rhythm there. There's a different mindset that I didn't expect. You feel like you're on vacation every day. You wake up, and there's the lake, calm and glassy, and you just feel like, oh, man, this is, yeah, cowabunga, dude. <laughs> you go home in the afternoon, there's the lake and the boats and it, it's, I have to make sure that I don't find myself relaxing or leaning back or coasting. I'm at that stage of my life where that could be a, a, a clear possibility. Are you following me? Just ride the rest of it out. I've had pastors in, in the area, even over the last few years, say to me, we are so impressed with you, Rick. And I would say, why? They said, because after this many years in the ministry and at your age, you could ride out the rest of your ministry, no problem. But you stay fired up, you stay out of the box, you stay thinking, and you stay continuing to spur them on as well. Amen? Amen. Praise the God for that. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit in me. But I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose any of my enthusiasm. So I have to, lately especially, I've been examining myself, uh, keeping a check on not just this pulse, but the spiritual pulse and the, the, the visionary pulse. It, listen, it would be very easy. I don't know if I'll get to my lesson tonight or not. It would be very easy for me to show up every day here at work. Even that's a bad idea that you would look at this as work show up here at work and just go through the motions and do what I need to do because I know what to do. After 25 years of doing the same thing, you know what to do, right? Well, I want to continue to be challenged. I want to continue to be stretched. I want to continue to be pushed out of my comfort zone. Amen? Right. So what does that require? It requires some examination of self. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. 
in the New King James Version say, examine yourselves. You see, we have a biblical mandate to examine ourselves. Examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith. And then it goes on to say, test yourself. See, this isn't just for somebody at the age of 65, nearing the golden years and living in a situation where relaxation is like the rhythm. This should be for all of us to examine ourselves, to test ourselves. But notice what it says, to examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. You have faith, you believe, but are you in it? Are you all in? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? Now this question, or this statement here, was actually a little bit of an oxymoron on Paul's part to say that because of what he says next. But I trust that you know that we are not disqualified, right? So unless indeed you are qualified, disqualified, but listen, you're not disqualified. I'm so thankful that no matter how I test myself, how I examine myself, that in the eyes of God, I am qualified to do the things that God has called me to do. You are qualified to do the things God has called you to do. You are qualified, Bill, to do the things that God has called, uh, called you to do for every one of us, no matter what age we are. Right on? Those of you who are in your 30s, honest to goodness, you may think you understand what I'm talking about being 65 and living on the lake, but I promise you, you can't actually comprehend it until you begin to get older and realize, oh yeah, time really does fly by when you get older, right? I, I, how old are you, Matt? 20, 28. When you're 28 years old, days last forever. Weeks last forever. And it's just like everything just drags by. When you're 65, you wake up one day and you're 66. And you don't know how that happens. So, so Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines self-examination as this. A reflective exam. This is the actual Webster's Dictionary, okay? I didn't put a spiritual slant on it. It's, I'm quoting. Defines self-examination as a reflective examination as to one's beliefs and motives. I know what I believe, but am I still motive, motivated to follow, to walk out, to lead the things that I believe? If I don't examine myself, I could find myself reclining, resting, floating, drifting. Now, check out these, this stat. Researchers have shown that the average person thinks as many as 50,000 thoughts a day. Imagine that, 50,000 thoughts a day, half of them negative thoughts, 90% of them simply a repeat of the thoughts you had the day before. Now, so put that in perspective for a moment, your day's not even over, <clears throat> but today, this 24-hour period, you will have somewhere around 50,000 thoughts, at least 25,000 of those are negative thoughts, and 45,000 of those are simply repeat thoughts of yesterday. So what if you get stuck in a rut? What happens to your thinking? You know what I mean? What if you get stuck in the recliner, stuck floating in the lake? I'm using the metaphors here, you know, in, in your mentality, in your psyche. 
and you're not moving forward, you're not marching, you're not pushing, you're not reading more, you're not discovering more. There should never be a stop in discovering more, should there, Iris? We should always be learning more and discovering more and, and keeping the, the ticker up here, tick-tocking, come on. And I'm not talking about the phone app. So self-examination is actually an important part of our Christian life. And I'm, I'm not really sure, forgive me if I'm skeptical, I'm not really sure that there's many Christians that actually do a strong self-evaluation, self-examination. Why is that? Because we like to deceive ourselves into thinking we, better, we are better than we actually are. We have a higher opinion of ourselves than we ought. Even uh, uh, I think that it's the Apostle Paul in Romans, I'm moving ahead a little bit uh, over in the video booth there, Romans 12, 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think better do not, don't think you are better than you really are. Look at this. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. So if I'm going to examine myself, it has to be an honest assessment. Not the best picture of what Rick Lopez wants to be. But the picture of what Rick Lopez is at this given moment. And that should be the case for each and every one of us. <clears throat> it's also difficult to do a self-examination because we don't really know ourselves. The Bible teaches us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 through 10, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every person according to his or her ways, according to the fruits of his or her doings. You see, we all have a false impression of ourselves, okay? It's relative. My wife can look in the mirror and honestly not like what she sees. And, you know, I, I go bonkers over what I see. It's all a matter of perspective, okay? And so we need some help with this examination then. Since I can't be my own best examiner because I, don't, I probably think more highly of myself than I really ought to. And I also don't know my heart specifically. Only God really knows my heart. So then I need his help in this examination. We need the Holy Spirit's help in this self-examination. We need to let him walk us through this. Now why must I be examining myself? Well, think about the parable of the ten virgins. They were all virgins. They were all waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. They were all waiting for the Lord's return. Five of them slumbered. Well, excuse me, all of them slumbered, according to the scripture. But when they woke up, only five of them were prepared. The other five were not prepared. I would assume, I would have to gather that if the other five that weren't prepared had thought ahead to examine their preparation, they would have been prepared as well. You see, if we don't examine ourselves, we might find ourselves actually unprepared for the Lord's return. <clears throat> and of course, there's that difficulty. So we need the guidance and the, the help of the Holy Spirit. I need the guidance and the help of the Holy Spirit, Spirit to help me assess myself. Okay? I spend a lot of time now in my favorite place. And, I, and it's in my boat. And that's not my favorite place because I now have a boat. I go out and park in the middle of the lake and shut everything off and just float. And listen. Seek God. 
meditate, devote, contemplate, examine self. You see, when Rick begins to examine himself without the help of the Holy Spirit, Rick takes himself down a rabbit hole where nothing good is assessed. But with the Holy Spirit's help, and, and the reason is, is sometimes we have a better opinion of ourselves than we ought to. So we not only need to have the Holy Spirit's help and guidance, but we need to, this is critical, y'all. We need to examine ourselves in light of the truth. We need to examine ourselves in light of the scripture. I don't need to examine myself based on GQ magazine or whatever the latest, greatest women's magazine is or Chip and Joanna Gaines. I don't, you know, I don't need to examine or compare myself to those things. If there's anything I should use as the mirror of examination, should be the truth because this is what's going to give me truth. Right here. So I have to examine myself in light of truth. Okay? And so when I go out on the lake for those moments where it's just me and I'm just floating around for a couple hours, I take my holy bag. That's not my golf bag, y'all. It wouldn't do me any good out there. That's actually my bag with my Bible and my notes and my, and my, and my laptop and all those other things because I'm going to have some moments with Christ. And it's not just about moments of opening up my Bible, but it's about moments of self-examination. And and again, I know I'm being a little repetitive, but again, that's where I'm at right now in my life. Because I don't want to I don't want to relax as a pastor. Let me explain that if I can. I was a pastor for 13 and a half years up in West Branch, and I got really good at it. I could golf anytime I wanted. I could lock the doors of the church and go golfing anytime I wanted. Basically, everything I did as a pastor was on autopilot. I had gotten that much momentum or stride in my glide. Glide in my stride. I said that backwards. So I had found that place of comfort. And I thought I was, I was sharing this with somebody this week, and I thought I was fairly well seasoned when I came here. Experience, my goodness, I got 13 and a half years of being a pastor of a church. I come to res life here and I feel like maybe, not maybe I'm somebody, but maybe I got something to offer. And it didn't take me long at all to realize I wasn't seasoned at all. I hadn't learned nothing uh, because I was learning a whole new thing here in a whole new body of believers. But what happened up at West Branch was I got comfortable in everything that I did. I had to fight constantly not to just operate on autopilot. I had to stay in the word, I had to stay in prayer. And I remember when I met with uh, some of my mentors, directors, uh, especially about coming here, and I remember one of my good friends said to me, have you gotten your stride yet? After being here for, I don't know, two or three months. And I said, oh, no, and I pray that I never get my stride again. Because that's when you get comfortable. And when you're comfortable, you quit digging and fighting and doing the things you're supposed to do to excel and to move forward. Are you hearing me? I'm not just telling on myself again. I know I just keep doing that, don't I, Bill? Well, after being here, I'm now in my 10th year, 65, live on the lake. I'm fighting comfort. 
You might say, well, don't fight it. Enjoy it. No, I don't want to get my stride here. I don't want to get complacent here. I don't want to find such a comfort level that just pastoring Resurrection Life Church can just be put on autopilot and it doesn't require anything of me. I don't just want that for me, though. I want that for you. That's what I'm also trying to patch into you and to instill into you to not necessarily not be comfortable with life, but when it comes to the call of God and the things that God has called you to do, to stay fired up, to continue to fan the flame of the gift that's in you. And don't just find your stride. Because you'll find yourself kind of giving up on yourself become a little bit unusable at that point by God. So I haven't even hit point one. So I'm going to try to get one point in. (laughs) Oh, dear heavens. So we need to evaluate ourselves in light of the truth of God's word. This is what I want my litmus test to be. This is what I want my mirror to be. Jessup to be, not anybody else's opinion, not even my pastor's opinion. And trust me, I value my pastor's opinion. I covet and desire his good opinion of me. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm thankful that over the years, I've grown less intimidated by my pastor. Because I've made a few errors and blunders with my pastor. I ain't even getting to point one. Michael, why are you doing this? I remember I was uh, traveling with them, and, and I flow in the Holy Ghost. I know how to flow in the Holy Ghost. And I remember a pastor came over and said, Rick, flow in the Holy Ghost. And it just caught me off guard, and I just froze. And I looked at him and went, huh. Right there in front of God and everybody. Can I help you? He's never, ever asked me to flow in the Holy Ghost again. I recognize that as a day that I disappointed my pastor. And I haven't ever climbed out of that. So I care what my pastor thinks about me. Him and I have grown much closer over the years. We've been through a lot of battles together. And I wouldn't say that I have climbed to the level of being friends because I don't want to be his buddy I need him as a pastor in my life, right? And so, yeah. Uh, So we pretty much have a false sense of self that falls far short of the truth. So if I weighed out my worth with my pastor based on that previous mistake, which he's probably forgotten and, and maybe never even thought about, then I have a false examination, don't I? I need this to be my examiner. Point number one, I'm going to get there. Examine your righteousness. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. Y'all blessed so far? Is it okay that I just chat with you? I've been listening to, I always listen to my sermons um, during the week, and I try to find areas that I can grow and become better, and, and I've noticed that the last number of weeks in my sermons, I've just been kind of talking, having, you know, haven't been a whole lot of preaching, just kind of a lot of talking, and, 
and sharing with you all, and I kind of like that, actually. I hope I can continue it. John chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say, full of grace and truth. You at home say, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom it, whom I said, He who comes after me has higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Now, what I want you to pick up here is that we understand that he is full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. And of that fullness, we have received grace upon grace. So the grace, the power I have for the the adventure, the power I have for the journey uh, is because of what Christ has done already. The truth that I need to compare myself to is the truth that he has about me and not the truth that I even have about myself or that you have about me. For of his fullness we have all received, not just grace, but grace upon grace. And I don't believe that stops with just two graces. I think it is perpetual. Grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Often when I pray for people that are going through difficult times, I'll say, Lord, give them the grace for this journey. And I find myself occasionally praying that for myself. Lord, give me the grace for this journey. And he does. And guess what? Next time, there's more grace upon grace. And it doesn't come from my ability. It doesn't come from my enthusiasm. It comes from Jesus Christ. The fullness of his grace and his truth I have in me and you have in you. That's what we operate in. Verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So, grace and truth were not realized through the law. That was performance-oriented. And none of us can ever match up in the performance quota. None of us. But when Christ looks at me, all I really care about in the end run is that he looks at me and says, Rick, you're my son, and in you I am well pleased. Enter in. Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we all desire to hear someday? Amen. So uh, we have this through Jesus Christ. So you evaluate your righteousness with the truth. I I have to evaluate my righteousness not with my own grading of how I do. If I evaluate my righteousness based on how good I am or how much I perform, I have stepped away from grace and truth and stepped into law and bondage. Okay? I can't evaluate Rick Lopez based on how good of a pastor I am or how bad of a pastor that I am. I have to base my righteousness and that examination on the righteousness that he has given me because he is full of grace and truth. Are you following me? So the truth of my righteousness doesn't come from Rick Lopez or even any other human being's evaluation of me or even my pastor's evaluation of me or my supposed idea of what his evaluation is. Huh? 
But my righteousness is based on what Christ thinks of me, and he's already imputed to me God's righteousness in Christ Jesus. So I have to evaluate my righteousness in light of the righteousness he gave me because it's easy to go check mark I did this I did that oh yeah I did that holy thing I did that holy thing oh yes I'm being very good there very good there very good there boy I am righteous self-righteous maybe because you have a bad opinion you think more highly of yourself than you ought you're basing your worth on your performance My God, if I based my worth on my performance, I would be worth nothing. I'm only worth something because of Christ in me. Now, I know the Bible said no man knows his heart. No one knows truly what's in the heart. I think I know my heart, and I'm not pleased sometimes with my heart. Don't look at me with that holier-than-thou look like you all have arrived and I'm the only one messed up. It's true for us all. So self-examination is something that I do regularly, and I often find myself in the trap of examining myself in my own light and or darkness. And then I can plummet downhill really quick. But even in that light or darkness, if I examine myself in the light, truth, and grace, and righteousness of Christ... And what he's imputed into me, I know that Father God loves me and has a good opinion of me. And if he has a good opinion of me, that's all that ultimately matters anyway, right? So the truth is, is that our righteousness is not a righteousness of our own. There's nothing that I can do. It didn't come from anything that I have. It didn't come from anything that you have done. Your righteousness is not your own. Your righteousness is from God through Christ Jesus. And I know that we've all been brought up in our Christianity in somewhat of a performance-oriented atmosphere. Do this, do this right, don't do that. Oh, you need thou shalt not do this, thou shalt do that. And you judge yourself based on that grading curve. Well, I did one of the thou shalt nots today, so I'm probably going to burn in hell. Or I'm going to go to heaven today because I did all of them really, really well. But now I'm so filled up with pride, I'm a brother of Satan. Are you following me? We can't weigh ourselves, Aiden, on ourself. I have to weigh myself and look at myself through the eyes of God. And that's not easy because self gets in the way so much. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? Am I speaking truth to you tonight? 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, when you examine your righteousness, don't, don't examine it based on the checklist of good things you have done or bad things you have done or good things you didn't do. Weigh it completely on your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary because that's where your righteousness, the well of righteousness comes from for you. So when we evaluate or examine ourselves right up front, we need to recognize that our own righteousness is insignificant and ineffective. God looks at it as nothing more than dirty rags. 
according to the scripture. But the righteousness that Jesus has provided for us is more than effective. It's more than significant. It's more than uh, uh, sufficient. His grace is sufficient for us all, amen? So his righteousness is good for little old me and little old you and little old everybody else if they'll just believe in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross of Calvary. Mary Pat, that's what we view, that's how we should view ourselves when we examine ourselves. If I can examine myself in the light of the righteousness that he has made me to be, I won't take a tumble down the rabbit hole. I will climb higher. I will stay more motivated. I will stay more assured of my next step and not find myself just drifting in the lake. Sorry, I live at a lake now, so you're going to get all kind of lake metaphors teachings from the willow tree, so forth and so on. So when we begin to evaluate ourselves on what we've done, then we move from grace to law. Because I do good, then God will do good. Because I've done my part, then God will do his part. Because I've performed such and such, then God will perform such and such. And we got to be careful that we don't place ourselves back under the law. And the moment you begin to make yourself performance-oriented, and trust me, and it's all fitting together now with all the things I said about pastoring and the age I'm at now, the, the stage of life that I'm at right now, it's very easy for me to judge myself based on my performance. Are you following me? Even at this stage of my life, I cannot, must not do that. I must judge myself based on the righteousness that I am in Christ Jesus. Because that's the power that propels me forward. That's the grace and the impetus that I need to go on and do the next exciting thing that God has for me to do. To continue to lead a vibrant church like this forward into its tomorrows. Not in a relaxed, reclining fashion, but in a pressing forward, pushing back the gates of hell kind of fashion. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. If I'm not preaching to you good, I am blessing myself tonight. That's all I can say. Oh, so it's not, don't slip back into the evaluation of yourself based on what you do. Titus 3, 5 through 7, and I'm only going to get this one point in tonight, and we're going to go home. Titus 3, 5 through 7, not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Our righteousness, my righteousness is not anchored in my works. Your righteousness is not anchored in your works. My righteousness and your righteousness is anchored in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. So yes, should we examine ourselves? Should we test ourselves? Should we evaluate ourselves? Yes, but don't do it based on Fox News or CNN or even Newsmax or, or, or Glenn Beck or, or any of the others. Don't base that. Base it on the only truth that there is. And the first light that needs to go on. You know, ladies, when they do makeup, they like to have the right lights to be able to see all the stuff that they do, you know? Uh, Diane needs the right lights, and they need to be in the right position. And, and my little Emily, she has special lights for doing her makeup so she can see everything. That We need to recognize that the light 
that makes us up is the light of Christ and his righteousness. I don't become what I become because I become. I become what I become because of what Christ did at the cross of Calvary. So, amen. Thank you. Praise God. So as we march together, as you have to march, you have to, I have to march this journey with you in each of your seasons of life, whether it's 28 or 88. Um, you have to march with me also with this, this season, this season of life. And as I learn about it and begin to navigate it and try to understand who I am at this stage of my life, at this season of life, even in this season of my life, I have a recliner. I love my recliner. I sit in my recliner every evening and every time I sit down, I've done this for years, every time I sit down, I go, oh, thank you for this chair, Lord. But there's a metaphoric recliner, which is about being still and doing nothing and just letting it. No, we can't be that. We have to be active. We have to be proactive. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared for the Lord's return. And that doesn't happen by idleness. Being prepared for the Lord's return happens by activity. Yes. And a little bit later, when we come back next Wednesday, I'll be talking to you about a couple of the other, I have four areas of examination. And another one of them is your effort. Your effort. Examine yourself and your effort. So I pray that this blesses you tonight, that you go forward from here examining yourself in the light of God's truth that says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Would somebody give the Lord a praise? And give the Lord a praise right where you're at. Because that ought to have blessed you even though I didn't get the other three points in. Praise God. Well, it's 8 o'clock. Stand to your feet with me and I'll send you out blessed tonight. You got to love it. There's a, there's a, you got to love it when you get a one-hour service. Of course, maybe you don't love it because I know 55 minutes of that is listening to me talk. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for showing this, showing us this. Thank you for showing us that not only do we need to examine ourselves and test ourselves, but that if we do that in the light of your truth and your word, and we do it first in the makeup light of your righteousness, that we can see clearly that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I pray that everybody walks out of here tonight with that in mind for the rest of the week. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. Have a good evening. We'll see you Sunday morning. Praise God.